Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week on the show, we're talking to Zach Quaintance, who writes about comics on the website and via the Twitter handle, Batman's Bookcase. Zach is genuinely a good person to talk about comics with, both online and via Skype, and we go into some of the DC announcements out of WonderCon from last month. I also postulate a theory about the Fantastic Four reboot that, since we recorded this episode, was proved wrong. So pardon the moment where it sounds like I'm behind on comics news. April's going to be a big month at WMQComics.com. Apart from all the cons coming up here in New Jersey, which I mentioned last episode, we here at the site are going to spend the month paying tribute to what we're calling the non-Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel Cinematic Universe, the movies and TV shows that featured Marvel superheroes long before they became a cohesive franchise. We're bringing in guest writers and friends of the site to share their takes on movies like Punisher Warzone, Return of the Incredible Hulk, and the 1978 Doctor Strange TV movie, notable for having a villain that looks like he was transported from a Rankin-Bass special. You should start seeing those pieces pop up this week. Uh, And if you're interested in writing one, uh, reach out to us at wmqgrams at gmail.com. In the meantime, while this weekend's big con no doubt will be C2E2 in Chicago, if you're in South Jersey, join me in checking out the inaugural Garden State Comic Fest at the Showboat. I'll be walking around hunting for cheap trades and making small talk with creators and cosplayers. Hope to see you there. Now here's me and Zach. Uh, my guest today runs a uh, comic site under the name Batman's Bookcase. It's Zach Quaintance. Zach, how you doing today? I'm good, Dan. How are you? All right, all right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your site and what you're doing there. Uh, so I started a site uh, last fall just because um, I had a lot of uh, a lot to say about comics and not a lot of people to say them to outside of my personal life, and they got pretty sick of hearing it. So I wanted to create my own outlet, essentially. And you know, uh, so the site's a few months old. You started in what was it, October? Yeah, I, I think my first post went up in October. I bought the domain name a couple months before that and then just kind of sat around uh, procrastinating and then really got into it in the fall. And what, uh, I guess, tell me a little bit about kind of the voice you wanted the site to have. Like, like what, did, what, what did you want sort of your perspective or the site's perspective to, to look at with regard to, to comics and your writing? Yeah, sure. So it kind of started out, it's changed a little bit um, since I launched it. It kind of started out as a blend of uh, writing about uh, literary fiction and comics and kind of looking at places where they cross over. And uh, over time, it's sort of kind of gone a lot further towards just being about comics. Uh, And hopefully, like my hope is that I've preserved a little bit of a more literary lens, but you know, sometimes I totally fan out and it's just kind of like, this is what I like and why. I, I mean, you're a comics fan, so that's <laughs> <it can't... Yeah. laughs> kind of hard to keep a cap on that. True, true. Um, one of the things that you've been doing on your site is collecting tips from writers on writing. Uh, and, and, you know, I know you've been kind of dabbling in writing yourself. So kind of talk about what you've, you know, been looking for both in your own writing and in kind of like seeking out advice from others. Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually probably my favorite thing I've, I've done with the site is sort of compile uh, disparate tips from uh, creators who are all, I mean, super generous to be sharing these online and taking their time out to put them on Twitter or their blogs or Tumblr or wherever it may be. And um, so what I, what I try to do is just kind of take take some of my favorites and find a through line and, uh, 
and uh, write about a little bit of how I think it's actionable, how I found it uh, useful for my own work. And the purpose is sort of twofold. It's kind of to help anyone who who comes across it and also to just keep me motivated and working. Um, Part of the reason I'm doing this site is I've I've been writing uh, fiction myself for a little while and I'm looking to kind of get into the comic book end of it. And it's been a great way to keep myself motivated. And those tips are like the best way I've found so far, really. Are there any uh, particular ones that stand out the most for you? Yeah, there's one I actually think about almost every day, and it's uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Some he answers regularly answers questions from uh, fans and readers on his Tumblr, and somebody asked like, "How do you keep writing?" And uh, he was very simply like, "Well, I picture what my life would be like if I'm not writing, and I picture the dream life I want, and um, and how." Re- writing every day can get me there and I get get myself to the keyboard. So I think that's been like definitely the most useful tip because like without that, you know, you can't put any of the other ones into action. And how long have you yourself been writing? Uh, man, forever. Like I, I first started writing short stories and even a couple comic scripts in high school and I'm, I'm a little bit over 30 now. So a while and professionally i'm a staff writer at a trade publication so not very exciting but uh all day long um i have writing assignments i'm sort of working on so it's kind of been i guess 15 16 years now okay and how are you with sort of the this you know writing for comics obviously uh, different than writing uh you know prose the whole the whole scripting thing how are you with that um Hopefully improving, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm, I, that's the writing I have that I'm the newest to. So it's that one's kind of exciting right now. I feel like there's a lot of possibilities, and I, but I haven't really kind of, you know, I, I, with any kind of writing, it's real easy to run up against walls. Like rejection is just sort of inherent to the process. And um, I'm still sort of in the learning phase with scripting comics and haven't really uh, pitched anything formally yet. So I haven't had that like kind of honeymoon phase uh end it for me quite yet but uh it's easier to get back to it because every day is something new so i'm really enjoying it right now do you think pitching is something you that's kind of like on your bucket list for the year yeah man absolutely like if if i would be thrilled even to just get a pitch into anybody if i can get that done within the course of this year because um, there's still so much to do like in, even in addition to like finishing um some of these ideas i've been working on finding an artist is uh, a challenge in and of itself and then kind of developing a working relationship and going from there. So yeah, but I would be uh, absolutely thrilled with my year if I got to that point um, by the end of it. That's great. Um, what about the site itself? Do you feel, you know, are, as far as sort of updating it and providing new content, do you kind of feel that like pressure to, kind of keep new stuff out there on a regular basis or do you kind of come to it, you know, as, as you, as a com- do you, do you take it as it comes? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, my goal every week is, is two updates, which I think for, uh, for you guys probably seems like a vacation. I think you're a lot more disciplined, uh, with your site. Um, and I, and I'd love to get to that point, but for me, it's like, uh, I aim for two posts and it's like, and I try to get it done and sometimes I get there and sometimes I don't, but it's, um, but I've had weeks where I've had up to four or five. I mean, if you've read my site over a lot of it's just sort of musings about, um, what I, what I've been reading or I have, um, like a different perspective that I'm not seeing online and I try to like 
act on that as fast as I can. But yeah, it's, it's pretty informal and it, I'd probably do better to, uh, apply a little bit more discipline to it. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough because like you, you know, you're balancing a full-time job. You're also trying to write, you know, your, your, your own stories. It's just, it's, it's keeping, it's keeping the wheel moving, you know, it, yeah, that's the, totally. yeah. um, you just wrote over the weekend, a piece about, kind of Lois Lane and your own sort of appreciation for her, you know, with the fear that uh, Bendis was going to come in and, and maybe <laughs> undo a little bit of what uh, had come before under the uh, Jergens slash uh, Tomasi uh, regime. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrified. I'm still terrified. I know they're, I know they're having fun with it. I think that's, that's the impression I've got is that they can kind of pick up on our anxiety and they're sort of playing with it a little bit right now, which, uh, you know, real nice of them. But, uh, yeah, Lois Lane. <laughs> Lois Lane's one of my favorite characters, if not my very favorite character in uh, in comics. I, I don't think – I know there's a lot of com superhero books that will use kind of a human lens and a human uh, non-superpowered entrance point to the universe. And I think Lois Lane was the first and the best. And uh, – you know, like like I said in my piece too, it's kind of a personal thing. My my wife's a reporter um, with the L.A. Times, and uh, when it, so this like recent rebirth work with about the domesticity with Superman and Lois Lane settling down has been pretty close to home for me, and I'm I just don't want to take it away. Uh, did you get a chance? DC basically online uh, gave away uh, Tom King and Clay Man. I think it's Clay Man, um, but Tom King's backup story in Action One Thousand. Did you get a chance to look at that? Yeah, I did. And you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm just connecting the dots right now. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it sort of establishes that like far in the future, Lois is fine and John is around as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically that. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. That 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 kind of lays my anxiety a little bit. But you know, who knows? I feel like anything's still on the table. That is true. Um... Speaking of DC, uh, you know this is this is a great segue. This past weekend at WonderCon, uh, they gave a major presentation. They basically own the show uh, yeah. with all their announcements. Uh, any any particular favorites? It seems like, you know, uh, I did a podcast a couple weeks ago where we talked about you know DC going crazy with the imprints, and in listening to to Dan DiDio and and Jim Lee talk, you know. I kind of get it because they're really trying to reach as many different kinds of readers as possible, especially with like the ink and zoom stuff and, and, you know, tapping the, the young reader market, the bookstore market, the, the fans of, you know, sort of like the, the Frank Miller level legends. I, it's ambitious. Oh yeah. 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 I don't know if we've seen anything like it. Like I, I, I watched that whole panel and I, and I felt like, uh, Part of what they were saying it was almost a little bit like, hey, you direct market crowd, this isn't entirely for you. Like we're trying to reach your friends who who have interest in these characters and the bigger stories. We're going after them with this stuff. And it's great if you guys like it, and I'm sure we will with a lot of the creators attached. But uh, it's really admirable that they're sort of, I guess, um, especially with the ink and Zoom uh, imprints, going after those untapped markets and, and expanding the base of uh, – of fans engaging with graphic storytelling, which obviously is really important for the industry to move forward. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me, uh, you know, Scott Snyder basically got the whole back end of the presentation. That guy, I mean, 
he was a, he was a rock star going into it. It's not like Scott Snyder was some great unknown. <laughs> you know, he he's only had one of the, the the best Batman runs, and Metal has been fantastic. But like he, I guess I I'd, I'd never seen him speak before, but he had such a command of the audience and a command of the content. Yeah, and I think Scott Snyder is Jeff Johns now. Yeah, you know that's a great comparison. Like uh, I watched the. Uh... The rebirth panel, um, and they had a couple years ago, and they had Snyder out, and he was—he's—he seemed like a different guy this time around. I've never seen him so animated and excited about his ideas, and I actually had that thought that it was—it was like he was almost auditioning for a leadership role in the company, um, and it just the ideas seemed to be coming like rapid fire coming out of it. It was really cool, and it, it really got me excited about the future of this Justice League stuff. And the rest of the, the publisher as well. Um, yeah, I don't know where you landed on a lot of those announcements, but I don't think there was, for me, it was just total excitement afterwards. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially with, this, with the Snyder stuff. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to check out the new Justice League. Um, I love the team lineup. I mean, let's face it. If you, yeah. you know, if you came up watching Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, that's, that's your Justice League right there. You know, we've done, you know, five, six years now without Martian Manhunter on the league. And it's just, you know, kind of, it's nice to see him back in the mix. It's nice to see Hawkgirl back in the mix. It's nice to see Jon Stewart back in the mix. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's so much to be excited about and parts of it are easy to get lost. And um, I also like what he was talking about with with just the whole Hall of Justice concept where, where all these different teams will sort of be working together out of one building. I thought, you know, as a fan of uh, Justice League Unlimited, like, how cool is that? Like, it's just, it's like they're doing it for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that Sandman universe presentation kind of reminds you of, like, a DVD featurette from, like, a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> like, the music, yeah. the, Neil Gaiman's just pr- overall presence. <laughs> I know, yeah, he was, like, in an alley or something, and he was kind of like, look, follow me to a new world or something like that, you know? Like Neil, I'm sure you get this all the time, but just real for me, drop your voice an octave and just go, Mister Potter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the fact that Tim Hunter looks like Harry Potter. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that too. Yeah, there was a whole Harry Potter aesthetic going on there. I thought it was really funny too, where Jim Lee was talking about the uh, they the Vertigo retreat they had in New Orleans, and Neil was taking him around the city to all these creepy places where he was like absolutely at home, and everybody else was just unnerved by the whole thing (laughs) um speaking of vertigo i do feel like i mean they did mention vertigo and but i still don't feel like i have a picture of what they're doing with vertigo i mean it's the 25th anniversary and i I guess sam and universe is part of it or it certainly has its roots in vertigo but i i didn't like that okay that was like the one part of the presentation that i felt like was missing yeah yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it seemed my takeaway from that was they're just going all in with uh, Sandman. Like that's that obviously that was the only Vertigo anything that was mentioned. Um, I, th- I mean, I'd love to see a little bit. I'm sure you feel the same way, but I'd love to see a little bit more emphasis on the history of the imprint. Like all, all this new stuff's great, but uh, it'd be really nice to kind of um, vertigo seemed like a trailblazer for a lot of a lot of what they're doing now and it'd be nice to kind of honor that a little bit more it's it's the goth granddaddy of of dc's imprints of sort of imprints in comics in general 
Well, yeah, exactly. I guess I guess Epic came before that. So, but I mean, still, and kind of the fact that two of Vertigo's kind of most famous editors are now doing Vertigo-esque things at other publishers. It's just it's it, that that part of it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I you know I read an interview and I, I can't for the life of me remember who it was with, but they said something about the Vertigo label itself had become a liability in terms of sales, like for whatever reason. Um, and I think that's probably the case. I read Clean Room by uh, Gail Simone and, and John Davis Hunt a couple years ago, and it was as good as any of the Vertigo stuff I remember reading years back. Like I absolutely love that book, and it only went eighteen issues. And I think had it been rolled out in their heyday, that book could have gone 50, 60 or more, you know, and, and so that maybe that speaks to um, the name not not having the value uh, we remember. Or I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Josh Williamson, who writes Flash, has a Vertigo book out, out right now, Deathbed, but like, yeah, you, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know it exactly. It, it's I think there's another there's a Cy Spurrier book maybe coming out on Vertigo. It seems like they've trickled out a couple new titles, but like I don't hear anybody talking about them. Yeah. Um, but we do hear people talking about Gail Simone since you brought her up. Um, she's having quite the spring. She's doing uh, you know she's got that Domino book coming out for Marvel, which uh, I saw a preview of recently, and I'm very excited for. But she's also yeah. bringing plastic. Well, she's not bringing Plastic Man back because he's already in the Terrifics, but she's doing Plastic Man for DC, and that is that is the perfect pairing of writer and character right there. Oh, yeah. It really is. It's it's one of those things. It's it's so It just seems like such a perfect move. You can't believe it hasn't been done before. Like, um, Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm really excited for that one. It seems to me like she's she's just picking all the right projects. Like She's gotten to that point where she can say no to things, and she's doing it and just waiting for the really good ch- choices to come along. That that's that that is the beauty of it. She can say no to things, and she's saying yes to amazing things. Yes, yeah, yeah. I can't wait for Plastic Man. That's probably one of my most anticipated books uh, that we know about. Yeah, um, you know, we did just go through uh, June solicits the the deluge. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's uh, what's kind of caught your eye there from from the pack? Uh, might as well start with DC because we're already there. Uh, you know, I'm I. I've written. I wouldn't have so much anxiety about what Bendis was going to do with Superman if I wasn't also kind of looking forward to it. Uh-huh. Um, I think it just sort of speaks to my interest and curiosity in in what uh, what he's got planned for. For me, like I'm of an age where the Ultimate line uh, and specifically Ultimate Spider-Man was really important to me as a comic book reader, and so I've been uh, a Bendis fan. Uh, you know, some of his other books recently aside for many years and just him switching to DC. It's incredible. It's like Michael Jordan going from the bulls to the, to Washington, you know, like I, it's hard for me to even picture wrap my head around it. So that I'll be front row for that one. That one, I, I just kind of want to see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then this justice league stuff, uh, also like just Jorge Jimenez, I think is one of the fastest rising artists, uh, Definitely at DC, probably in the entire industry. Like I loved everything he did with Super Sons; thought it was so good. And uh, to have him and and Snyder collaborating on Justice League with Jim Chung as well. Uh, yeah. You know, I've already added that book to my poll. Uh, so yeah, those two. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, those are those are my top two for June. That's awesome. Yeah, Jim Chung was a big loss for Marvel. 
Um, especially yeah. seeing as he drew the promo for Fresh Start. <laughs> I know. How embarrassing is that? And they they had the uh, – it's just been bad PR for them with the artists with that whole comment about not moving the needle and all that. And now how publicly – to be so publicly losing so many artists, like, that hurts. Yeah, uh, Chong. Who else did they lose? Olivier Koipel. Chris Sams. Oh, God, that hurt. Yes, yes. And let me tell you, if, if – I mean, they've already, I think they've already, yeah, they've announced artists for these Superman books, but if Somni jumped on a Superman title with Bendis, that's oh, like, game yeah. over, man, game over. <laughs> yeah, and that's, every, that's it's totally uh, wish fulfillment, but I feel like everyone's speculating that's what's going to happen, but I haven't heard, heard anything concrete to suggest it will. Yeah. But I'm, my fingers crossed, I'd love to see that. I mean, Somni's been teasing, he's been doing a lot of DC uh, warm-up sketches on Twitter lately. <laughs> He was, and a lot of Superman at that, like, yeah. teasing us. Yeah, uh, and we haven't we haven't heard about a Captain Marvel revival yet. No, yeah, we haven't. Um, th- there's there's almost this list I think that uh, comic fans with DC on on Twitter just kind of repeat over and over again. It's Shazam, mm-hmm. Legion of Superheroes, and uh, JSA, like. I don't think a day goes by without somebody being like, hey, I wish we could get these three books rolled back out. It feels like they're really taking their time. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we got those little, we got those little, that little, uh, Jay Garrick tease during, uh, the button. Yeah. And then there's been little hints here and there in doomsday clock. So, um, I guess we'll find out more as that continues ever so slowly. Ever so slowly. Yeah. yeah. It, it's funny. I was having, I was having this discussion the other day. About how like Doomsday Clock is every other month that I'm just like, oh god, they're really dragging it out. But like Mitch Garrods asks for one skip month on Mr. Miracle, and I'm like, you take all the time you need. <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah, like I, I feel protective of him almost as Mr. Miracle. Like, uh, yeah, take. It just seems like a more uh, a better investment. Like, give those guys more time. We'll get something. I'm not entirely convinced that the time we're giving for Doomsday Clock is going to result in, in a great story. I mean, I'm still a little skeptical of the whole concept. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think I feel pretty much the same way. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could not be any more of a... I could not buy in any harder to what Tom King and, and Mitch Gerardus are doing with Mr. Miracle right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, that while we're on King, that, you know, the Batman wedding is, is fast approaching as well. Yeah, absolutely. I have this hope, and I and I I don't think it's likely at all that that I you know shenanigans will go down, and that somehow the Joker will end up being his best man, is my my secret hope. But I don't think they'll take it in that direction. Oh my God, I would love that so much. Yeah, like to have him up there in a straight jacket, like Hannibal Lecter style. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Like due to circumstance, obviously beyond their control. I would love to see that. I mean, I mean, who are the. Uh who are the you know the bridesmaids or matrons of honor you're already going to have you know theoretically you're going to have harley and ivy on the other side of the uh, uh, the aisle there yeah yeah it, it'll be an interesting wedding party <laughs> think about the pictures yeah well that wedding's gonna rock i'm definitely looking more forward to that wedding than i am the uh the kitty pride and colossus wedding yeah, I'm kind of checked out on that that storyline. Although I will say that X Men Red got me excited about the X Men in a big way. Um, X Men Red is fantastic. It's so good. It's so good, and I had such low expectations for it. Not not 
not anything to do with the with the team, but just uh, spinning out an event like that, like it just didn't seem like it'd be consequential. And and um, so many people were talking about it, and, and I'm so glad I checked it out. Cause it's probably my favorite X book, and I don't know how long years. Yeah, well, it's got it has a sense of purpose. It has a mission statement. The the team lineup. I mean, it seems kind of it seems it is disparate to look at at first, but. Yeah, you know, the but one thing just... I keep saying is like I wasn't reading all new Wolverine, and I know that book is is ending, uh, I think in May. But like, Tom Taylor has won me over, and Same. I'm a huge fan of uh, of Gabby now. So yeah, she's great. I mean, she brings like much needed levity to the to the team, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a Tom Taylor believer, uh, and it, I don't think the concept even matters. It, with his stuff with Injustice has been fantastic too, and I had no interest in that whatsoever either and he won me over there between that and and x-men red i'll probably read whatever he does from here on out yeah i i do wonder you know the uh the the fresh start announcements kind of there was like a fever pitch for like a week and a half and then everything yeah. kind of quieted down and I, I do wonder if we're headed toward like some x-men uh announcements once we get to closer to like july or something yeah we gotta be at some point um I, yeah, I don't. I don't know why they're rolling them out the way they are. It's. I think anyone who writes about comics, it's pretty annoying. But uh, um, I know Kelly Thompson was saying on Twitter the other day that she has three three new Marvel books and she can't announce any of them until July. I, so I'm very much hoping after Rogue and Gambit, which I've been loving, I'm very much hoping yes. for Kelly Thompson to take on an X book and uh, Leah Williams. I don't know if you read the X Men Gold Annual. It was that Excalibur reunion story. Yeah, I, I missed that, but I did hear good things. Yeah, she she co-wrote that with Mark Guggenheim, who you know writes gold on the regular. But it was such a fun story, probably one of my favorite like single X Men issues that I've read in like the last year. So I really want her to get something. And she was on Twitter the other day, I think it was Sunday, pitching hard for a maggot series. Yes, I saw that. I you know as as a mag hardcore maggot apologist myself, I liked every tweet in that thread enthusiastically. <laughs> <laughs> she also made a lot of the same points I like to make that it's that he's sort of a victim of the era like uh, that uh, it was made a little too ridiculous had he been created by anyone else I think he could have been treated better and had a, had a longer longer run in the X-Men so it's Joe Mad Herrera's fault <laughs> yes yeah I'm pinning it all on Joe Mad <laughs> oh god nah. I just I, I just picture like Joe Kelly and Steve Siegel coming and be like, "What the hell are we gonna do with this guy?" Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely what happened. They and they got him out as fast as they could. Like they're just. I think it's with him. It's easy to get caught up in the idea that his stomach comes to life and eats stuff for him, and that he's also called maggot, which is just disgusting. Uh, it's it's a branding problem. He needs to be remarketed and and uh, and uh, revived and brought back. That's what he needs. Yeah, that's what he needs. A good PR campaign. Needs, that's right. Yeah. He needs that Madrox clone that became an entertainment lawyer. The one that was a She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put him to work for, uh, I don't even know Maggot's real name, embarrassingly. I know he's South African. but It's it's Jaffith, but I don't think he ever got a, a last name. Uh, that's not that's not helping his uh, relatability any at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but back to sort of the wider spectrum of, of, of looking into the future. Um, other things that you're you're excited for in the uh, in the months ahead. 
Uh, well, it's, you know, I feel like uh, I can't say it enough, but anything Jeff Lemire does and continues to do, I think his Black Hammer mytho mythos that he's building mm -hmm. uh, issue by issue is one of my favorite things going on in comics. Uh, I don't know if, you had, if you've read any of that, but uh, his Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrow, which, by the way, his, his two miniseries for Black Hammer, the first one was called uh, Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, and the second one is called Dr. Star and the Lost Tomorrow, are probably the two best-named comic books I think I've ever encountered, um, just for total fun titles. But, um, yeah, Black, ha Black Hammer, I'm, I'm just totally all in on. And... Uh, Gideon Falls, which came out this month, I cannot wait to see where that goes. It has like a real David Lynch uh, sort of vibe to it, and I have been creeped out since finishing that issue by some of the imagery ever since, and, I, and I'm ready for more of it. I, I've heard nothing but good things about okay. Gideon Falls. That's definitely got a hot buzz to it. Um, you've been reading the Terrifics, of course. Yes, yeah, that's exciting too. And I know he he was teasing that he was working on the 11th or 12th script for it. Which is nice to see because I think another thing in that WonderCon panel that stood out was very little discussion of the New Age and DC Heroes characters or books. True. And a lot of the artists who were at the forefront of that initiative are being shuffled right off the books. Um, which I think is a shame because there's I've, I've seen some good in it. I'd like to see some of that continue and the Terrifics is chief among that. Absolutely. Um, Jeff which, Mir which of the other ones have you picked up? I've read them all, actually. I mean, I've read... Uh, so to date, it's just been Damage, Silencer, Terrifics, and Sideways. Um, the two that really stood out to me were Terrifics and Sideways. Uh, Sideways is supposed to be sort of like a like a new teen hero type thing, right? Yeah, it's a teen hero concept, uh, sort of modernized. Um, and just the art for that one, I think, is what's for sale, the Kenneth Rockefeller art. And the one thing that I, I think is worth noting with that book, too, is He's been solicited um, past the third issue, and I think he's the only artist in that initiative so far uh, where that's the case. Oh, so Ramita's not doing Silencer after? No. Uh... I, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think so. I think I forget who might be coming in. It might be uh, Bogdanovich, maybe, oh, taking okay. on that. Yeah. I mean, the, the artists they are bringing in to replace the, the first wave are good. Like Doc Shainer on Terrifics is, is really exciting, too. Oh, yeah, that's aces. I, I kind of wanted Shainer on interiors from the beginning. <laughs> right? Yeah, it seems like a much better fit. What about let's 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 move beyond. Uh, let's move beyond DC here. What else are you? Uh, well, we mentioned Jeff Lemire and all the Black Camera stuff. Uh, what, el what else yeah. are you reading right now? How, Every how, how did last Wednesday treat you? <laughs> <laughs> uh Last Wednesday, I think, was a Thanos week. Uh, Don, Donnie Cates writing Thanos over there for Marvel, um, which has been my favorite thing happening in Marvel in a long while. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to read whatever. I know Thanos is ending. A lot of people are bummed about that. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's really anything to be that sad about. I mean, there's that Cosmic Ghost Rider series. Um, I don't think it's been solicited yet, but coming up. Yeah. And yeah. I trust that to be as, as ludicrous and insane as Thanos was every step of the way. Um, are you are you gonna pick up his venom? Yeah, and I'm hesitant because I'm not I'm not really a fan of uh, solo books about symbiotes or, or venom in general. And I, and I think Marvel did a really good job burning any interest I had out on venom, just having him everywhere for recent months. I think that was a byproduct of Cullen Bunn writing both Venom and X Men Blue. 
But then, yeah, there were all those mini series that and I wasn't following at all. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't read a single one of them at all. And but uh, if Donny Cates is excited about it and he's going to be writing it, I'll be checking that one out. What else from the uh, from the Fresh Start line? Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates on Captain America is at the top of my uh, my list to check out. There, I mean, Word. his his article in the Atlantic, like like gave me goosebumps a little bit just hearing the way he's approaching the character and and the responsibility of writing him and and what's possible with telling those stories like i just everything about it i'm thrilled it's it sounds like we're actually going to kind of get the consequences of secret empire you know what i mean like, like yes wade insomni was just about like here we go bright happy pure unfiltered Captain America for, you know, uh, six months or whatever. And now we're kind of going to get into like weightier things again. Yeah. And I, and I love Wade, what Wade Insomni did. I mean, anything they do, uh, it's fantastic, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for a meteor take, uh, especially with everything happening politically right now. I mean, I think there's never been a better time to use that character to kind of speak to the state of the nation. No, absolutely. No, the time is, the time is right. Um, what about the, uh, the new Avengers lineup? Uh, I'll be reading it. I mean, I, they made a lot of really safe choices, which I, I, if it wasn't Jason Aaron writing it, I don't, I don't know how excited I'd be, but, uh, with Jason Aaron take even, even getting kind of back to basics with those characters, I trust him to do something a little edgier, I think with the book. Um, and, uh, I'm an Ed McGinnis fan. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the art there too. Yeah, I've, I've I've been with McGinnis since uh, since Deadpool, I guess. The old uh, yeah. Jack Kelly run. Yeah, that one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Deadpool runs of all time. I, I will say this: I love the way he draws She-Hulk in that promo art, like just like almost almost yeah. like her cousin in uh, proportions. Yeah, lean into the the monster side of the Hulk, which is not always how She-Hulk is approached. It's interesting. I wonder if there'll be a plot. Uh, if that'll be addressed in the plot, the different aesthetic. Well, I know she's been a little bit more. I, I think I have been reading the uh, the Mar- the Mariko series, but I think it, she, it's been an, an angrier She-Hulk. It has. I re- I've, I've read that book, and it's a, it's a lot more introspective, and it kind of it, it reminds you more of, of yeah her of her cousin that that take, which is kind of a cool way to address it. Yeah. Um, one book that I, I would recommend. From from beyond the big two that I've been reading the last few months. Uh, have you been reading uh, uh, Quantum Quantum and Woody at all out of Valiant? I read the first issue. I haven't. I think there's been a couple past that, but it, yeah, that that is a funny book. I, I would definitely pick up the the trade the first trade when it comes yeah. out. Yeah. Um, Daniel Kibblesmith and Kano, and Kano's art really is what sells it for me. Like you know, it's a funny book without him, but. To me, like that's like Hawkeye levels of good. Really, well, that's yeah. high praise. I'll have to check that out for sure. Uh, any other uh, any other recommendations at this point? Yeah, I got I got a few. Um, Abbott over at Boom Studios by uh, Saladin Ahmad. He did in uh, Sammy Cavella on art. Um, I love Abbott. Yes, yes. Speaking of uh, old school Vertigo, are you getting that vibe from that book? Oh, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Me too. I love the uh, I love the grittiness of the kind of the Detroit setting and kind of the uh, juxtaposition with the occult. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. And 
the the artist colorist pairing. I think it's Jason Wardy on colors. They're ma- they are magic together. Yeah, absolutely, and that's so key with anything to do with the occult or magic to have a uh, colorist who can set the tone like that. Yeah, it's working. It's just working really well for me. And they're definitely. I mean, even beyond the occult stuff, which is fantastic, um, like just capturing those like seventies earth tones. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the the setting and the the aesthetic of the art is just such a perfect fit. Um. Aside from that, I'm reading. I'm also. I, I picked up the first issue of Eternity Girl from the DC's Young Animal imprint. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed that one too. The with uh, Magdalene Visaggio and and Sunny Lou, the art team there, and uh, it had a, it had a, it felt like Mister Miracle a bit um, in terms of the like the themes it was addressing with the identity and um, depression and and kind of lethargy towards life, and I. I I, I, I like those sad books. I like the introspective sad books. Um, and that that one definitely caught my interest. I'll be following that one as well. That's awesome. That's uh, that Now that is high praise, the, uh, the comparison to Mr. Miracle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has it has sort of Mr. Miracle vibes to it. I, I don't know if I'd put anything right now on the same level as Mr. Miracle, though. I mean, that's probably uh, my favorite book on the stands. It's a lot of people's favorite book on the stands. Yeah, I know. I, I always, it's like every week it feels like the obligatory praise for Mr. Miracle, you know, but it's like, it's so good. How can you not? Um, metal ends next week. Are you picking that up? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I kind of, for it'd been so long since the last issue, I kind of forgot how excited I am just to kind of see, see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did, like the, did you get the, um, the dark Knights rising that, that kind of issue five and a half, uh, bridge one with detective chimp yeah yeah the with the grant morrison involvement there yeah yeah i read that that was wild yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to the dark multiverse stuff sticking around which it sounds like it's going to through you know no justice and and uh everything else like, I, I love the uh the dark knights yeah i mean that's it just strikes me it's like a classic example of what they talk about all the time of, of uh Drawing from the uh, the mythos and then, but also pushing it forward and adding to it, and it's been really great. Yeah, it, it's it, it's amazing with how big DC is. They've managed to make it bigger with this story, and also, I mean, just learning who Scott Snyder's pet characters are. Like Detective Chip is joining Justice League Dark. That's amazing to me. <laughs> I know. I, and, and like after reading his run on Batman with Greg Capullo, I never would have guessed that he had such affinity for Detective Chimp of all characters, you know? Yeah, it's uh, amazing things are happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's a lot of fun. It's a fun time to be a fan, especially of DC, I think. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I don't think it took me forever to get into DC stuff. Like, you know, I was hardcore Marvel yeah. until, I would say, last year, really. Huh, really? So was it the Rebirth stuff that kind of drew you in? Uh, you know, I think it's not really. Like, I knew it was coming and I had heard good things. It probably wasn't really until Mr. Miracle. And, like, after I finished Vision, I wanted to start reading more Tom King. So, like, huh. I, I, start, I would pick up Batman every once in a while. I read um, Omega Men in trade yeah that was great yeah and, and i think it kind of crept out from there um what else 
Uh, I've been reading a lot of Archie, so I picked up uh, Harley or yeah, Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica. Did you read uh, Vampironica? I think two weeks ago. I did. I did. Yeah, that was great. What'd I, you think? I liked it a lot. Uh, you know, Greg Smallwood, fantastic artist, and you know, slash writer now. Um, yeah. You really can't yeah. go wrong with the Archie horror stuff. No, my only complaint with that book was I think I was done with it in like six minutes flat. Like I just blew right through it, you know. They are quick uh, reads. Yeah, but I've I've liked the whole Archie revival. I've I've uh, I've read the the Mark Wade book since it started too, and I've been enjoying that. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, that's been great. Um, I missed the Jughead solo series. Me too. Yeah, that was that was great. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's funny like. Vision was my sort of like must read right away book every week. And then I went from this sort of like depressing family drama to my new favorite book every week being Jughead. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an abrupt shift in tone there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that I've been reading like on a regular basis at Archie, but I think it, yeah, it's basically like the main Archie title. Yeah. I read it, and then the, I picked up the horror stuff. I've been picking up the horror stuff too, here and there, um, depending on the creative team, you know. But that's been—I—I never really read classic Archie. I was—I was, I was kind of unfamiliar. And and when they first relaunched that book, they had the like back matter, uh, was like a guide to Archie with some classic strips, and that was that was really cool. Kind of got me into it. Yeah, I kind of miss those. They were helpful. Yeah, I was hoping they'd come back eventually, but they they had to be a ton of work. Like it just seemed like the amount of research that went into those was massive. Yeah, there yeah, there had to be some curating involved. It's easier to run eight pages of house ads. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, it was like essay as Mark Wade was writing. Yeah. And as it is, he's only he's only co writing the book right now, so Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's kind of. I think he like they they made him executive editor of the entire uh, line or something like that, which is probably a lot more bigger job. True, and plus he's still got a lot of Marvel stuff he's writing. He's yeah. taking over Doctor Strange, I think. Yeah, Doctor Strange in space, I think, is the concept there. Yeah, and then he's doing an Ant Man and the Wasp mini. Yeah, I mean, you can't. It's like. Mark Wade's easy to take for granted with this superhero stuff because it's just so consistent. It's easy to to forget that he's out there doing it. It's always good. That's true. You know, a lot of people, I mean, people have been talking about No Surrender, but I don't think they've really kind of talked about Wade's Avengers run of the last few years. You know no, I mean? like, yeah. not, not in the same terms that people talk about Wade's Daredevil, for example. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's been a solid run, too. Uh I think it deserves a little more, a little more chatter, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been overshadowed by everything else going on at Marvel. But it's sort of been like, like uh, the the one, uh, the sturdiest part of their line, really, um, or one of them, along with Dan Slott's Spider Man, month after month. Yeah. You know, you know what you're getting there. What do you think about Spencer taking over Amazing? Ah man, I you know I. I was ready to kind of be like, to be a big skeptic. And then I saw Ryan Otley's art and it was just so good. And so like a little bit of a silver lining, but definitely not my first choice for that book. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're absolutely right about Otley. His, what I've seen so far is, is great. Um, but man, 
I just think about what could have been. Like, I, I don't know what Marvel's plans are for Chip Zdarsky, but, like, I just kept feeling like that was a natural promotion. Yeah, I know, and I loved, I loved, yeah, it just, yeah, it seems like a missed, missed opportunity there to just kind of slide him right over to Amazing. And I thought when he was doing Spectacular that that was maybe an audition for the main title. But, you know, eventually, theoretically, they're going to bring back the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Have you been reading Marvel 2-in-1? I have been. I, I love Marvel 2-in-1. Me too. It's, it's. It's quickly become one of my favorite books. Um, I will say my favorite moment, though, is when they went to Monster Island in the second issue and uh, the mall man was having democratic arguments with Gugum, son of Goom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's what you get with Zdarsky. You know, like you like some of the there's always a big laugh right around the corner. You, you get Kirby monsters arguing the merits of democracy. What's better than that? <laughs> Like why do you, why do you read comics if not for stuff like that? Absolutely, <laughs> uh, Zach. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk comics, talk writing with me. Where can people find you online if you in fact wish to be found? Yeah, uh, Batman'sBookcase.com is uh, my website, and then I'm also at uh, Batman's Bookcase on Twitter. Um, please follow with me. Please interact with me. Please come talk comics. Zach, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, Dan. A lot of fun. That's it for this week's show. Don't forget you can listen to WMQ&A anytime on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings at 9. Also check out WMQ Comics for all sorts of comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And join us next week on the podcast when our guest will be writer Christopher Sabella, who will join us to talk about his new image series Shanghai Red and Crowded, and whether Lost holds up after all this time. Bye for now.